Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to Argyle Chat, the Plymouth Argyle podcast brought to you by the Herald Sports Desk. Chat. I'm Jack Ball and joining me today is Chris Errington. Good morning, Chris. Just us, just the two of us. Just the two of us, but we were both at Home Park on Saturday for the game against Wigan Athletic, so uh, plenty to talk about from that game, I think. So before we talk about what actually happened, uh, I mean, what were your expectations going into the game? Obviously, Wigan were top of the league, they're flying at the moment, they? they beat Bournemouth in midweek in the um, FA Cup, so mm-hmm. what were you expecting? You know, uh, I expected to, Wigan to be very good, I expected to go away from the game thinking that um, Argyle had uh, given them a good game. And I expected to think that I'd leave the ground and think that Wigan would probably go on and win the League One title. And all of those came true, I think. I think Argyle uh, uh, did give them a good game, particularly in the first half. Um, I've spoken to quite a few people over the weekend and um, I think the general consensus was the same as mine, that you know Argyle played pretty well and the 3-1 scoreline didn't reflect the, uh, the balance, balance of the play. Wigan were good, they've got some good players, um, but I think you could see Argyle played with... Uh, with a bit of confidence, you know, and certainly when you compare the performance against Wigan to some of the ones earlier in the season, I, I thought it was a, a good improvement, wasn't it? Uh, and, I mean, it was a very attack-minded match. More, I got more attack than I certainly thought mm. they would be going into the game. Yeah. Looking back, and now I've lost three-one. Was mm. that the right tactic? Do you think, or do you think perhaps they should have been more defensive? I mean, I, I know, I know mm. all season people have been saying I should be more attack-minded. Uh, this is this is the thing that we've, we've discussed negative tactics yes. on many many occasions. Um, I wouldn't have been surprised if Jan Songo had played on Saturday and played in the midfield holding role and maybe Ness or Sarsavik had been um, sacrificed just to give Argyle that little bit of steel. Mm. You and I were at the DW Stadium in September, Jack, and we saw Jan Songo play against Wigan and he was absolutely outstanding that night. So there was a, a, a good case to be made for horses for courses. You know, Songo did a good job up at Wigan. Why couldn't he down at home park? But we have seen Argyle evolve their, their style and their tactics um, during that unbeaten run that they were on, and um, you know, you know, credit to Derek Adams, he he, he sent out a pretty attacking team, four three three, you know, with Fox, Sarsavik, you know, and Ness in the midfield. Um, so, you know, did it did it work? I think you know, Argyle went one 0 up. Uh, the timing under the, the first two goals for Wigan was really crucial in the yes. game. You know, any time you you score. You, you don't want to concede within a couple of minutes, particularly when you're playing, you know, nine-game unbeaten league leaders. Um, so it was disappointing to concede the equaliser so soon. And then, obviously, the goal right at half-time was a, was a big blow, wasn't it? You know, it was three minutes of stoppage time. I think there was about two minutes 56 on the clock or something of those three minutes when, when Wigan scored, and that, that made it difficult for after, uh, Argyle after that. But um, no, I, 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 was, I was went away pretty encouraged. I mean... You know, Jack, you 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 were there. I mean, you know, it, it was a pretty decent performance, wasn't it? You know, a little bit. You know, perhaps not quite clinical enough up front, and and you know, you, you would have to question the defending. The because Jack did mention there's pretty much stuff in it that mm. going forward they weren't as good as they possibly mm. could have been. But speaking mm. purely as a fan, rather yeah. than a journalist, yeah, you're allowed to. Yeah, I, I left the game feeling quite mm. happy with what I saw, and mm. sometimes you 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 know, 
you feel like even despite the loss, you really got your money's worth out of that game. And mm. I could have sat back and they might have put up for a point, but they could have still conceded. And mm. I've, I've, I've got to give credit to Derek Adams. I think mm. uh, you know our fans, at least on the social media, which we know is, is not a full representation of our fans, but have asked for attack-minded football. And I think at least our goal fans stayed with them throughout the game. Mm. And I think. Not many people left the game disappointed, despite no, everything. I think we all thought, or a lot of us thought, that it might be look like Argyle were the away team, mm. and they would sit and try and play on the counter attack. But I, I thought, particularly in that first half, and even up until Wigan got the third goal, I, I thought Argyle were giving it a really good go and were on the front foot. And that is one thing we've seen from Argyle over the last month or two: that they have been able to start games well, they have been able to get on the front foot. And yes, they've lost to Wigan, but there's no disgrace in that. I, I do think they'll go on and win the league. Um, it's not bad when you're going to bring on somebody like James Warren as a substitute at half time yeah, Will Grigg. That. You know that's bad. not that's not bad, is it? Um, so you know, I wouldn't be too. I don't think the players will be. They, they shouldn't be too despondent by one defeat. Um, you know, I, I thought they they put in a pretty decent performance I think, against a, a team that will probably be playing in the championship. Next Impressively, they didn't show too much respect to Wigan. You know, you see in the Premier League, for example, teams play Manchester City, they mm. almost give them all the time they want, and Argyle didn't do that. And also, I think it showed. How, how much strength of character the team has that even after going 3-1 down they didn't mm. give up did they they really no. were going for a second goal to try and get back in the game yeah no, conf- you know, confidence again cliche time but confidence is a big thing and you know even at 2-1 down I think the players felt that they were um, still well in the game we know how important the first goal has been mm. in our games this season it was Graham Carey that actually mm. opened the score of a penalty after a foul by Shea Dunkley mm. I saw on Twitter Chris you mm. mentioned that you had seen it back on the highlights and mm. thought that that could, perhaps, sorry, could possibly have been a red card yeah um, you look at we're talking about refereeing decisions again the week after you know the Doncaster uh, game with Darren Ferguson. Um, and looking back at it, let's, let's talk about that one particular instance to start with. Uh, I, I don't see how Dunkley made any attempt to play the ball. I mean, I looked at the replay and I'm, I'm not sure anyone could, vin- could convince me that he tried to play the ball. Uh, Kerry was about to shoot. It denied a clear goal-scoring opportunity. Now, you can get away with a yellow card if the referee feels that you've made a genuine attempt to play the ball. Uh, no one will convince me that he made a genuine attempt to play the ball. He'd been beaten, he knew Kerry was about to shoot, and he, he made a foul to stop him from shooting and scoring. Um, Derek Adams made what I felt was a very good point afterwards about the uh, sending off of Ryan Edwards against Oxford, which was a very similar situation where um, uh, Wes Thomas was the Oxford striker. He got in behind Ryan Edwards... Edwards made the tackle and Edwards was sent off. I don't see any difference from the Ryan Edwards on the Wes Thomas tackle to uh, Dunkley on Carey. Um, on that game against Oxford, Oxford scored the penalty, played against 10 men for the rest of the game, won 4 0. On Saturday, Argyle scored the penalty, but still played against 11 and um, didn't go on and win. Now, I'm not saying that Argyle would have gone on to beat Wigan 4 0 if Wigan had been reduced to 10 men, of course not. Uh, I still think it would have been a tricky game, but the game, the outcome of the game would have, uh, or the way the game unfolded, would have been very, very different. So I, 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 I thought he shouldn't be sent off. I mean, any thoughts? Well, I don't think the referee was a particularly popular man with with our fans no. the game. I mean, he didn't have the best performance. I would say. I, I, I know you feel the same. You don't like to harp on too much about referees, and it's a hard job. But he didn't have the best games in my opinion. No, he was he was poor. Uh, Gavin Ward and I'm not like I'm not a big fan of the way he controls games he's, he's done a few Argyle games over the years and I don't want to pick out and pick on referees um, but it was interesting and, and the, the, case, the other case I'd make is that 
you could argue that Argyle should have conceded the penalty in the 90th minute against Doncaster the previous Saturday, couldn't you, for the yes. Sonny Bradley challenge and James Coppinger. I think having looked back at that on TV, no one would have been really surprised if Andy Haynes had given Argyle, uh, given Doncaster a penalty in that occasion. So, you know, maybe Argyle were fortunate with the penalty decision at Doncaster and they were unfortunate that Dunkley didn't get sent off, swings and roundabouts, what goes around, you know, it evens itself out, all those sort of, all those sort of things. But then we do get back to the point of inconsistency in the standard of refereeing. Now, let's take the individuals out of it, but two games running now, we've, we've talked about games where you, you've got genuine concerns about key incidents in games but being called wrong. Key incidents in the yellow cards, there were certain decisions that I thought were very odd. There were times where I got clear of the advantage because they had the ball and he brought it back for a free kick. There were times where they didn't and he played on and they didn't really get an advantage. Just seemed a very, very odd game. He had a poor game. I mean, how Sam Morsey didn't get booked um, in the first half is is beyond me. Mm. I mean, uh, he of made course, a couple of yeah. he made a couple of challenges that that should have been yellow carded, um, and then we found out subsequently at half time that he was he was booked in the tunnel by the referee. The referee spoke to him just before the before they left the pitch, and uh, you know it, it did get quite niggly, didn't it? It did. Um, you know, and Wigan were. You know, being professional and, you know, doing things that you, you know, the, the dirty side of football, which isn't always pleasing to see, but, you know, they were being professional and doing their job. Um, but they were a little bit niggly. I, I was a bit surprised by that. And, yeah, the referee wasn't great, but, you know, let's try not to dwell too much on the referee after what was... what was an, I, I enjoyed the game. I, I thought it was a good quality... It was a good quality game. But I do think that Dunkley was very fortunate not to be yellow carded. And... and the, the Powell and uh, Graham Carey off the ball incident as well, which was captured on TV. You know, I'm not necessarily convinced that was a red car, but um, again, you know, there's four officials, a referee, two assistants and a fourth official. You know, surely somebody should be seeing that because there was contact. Powell did make contact with Carey and uh, surely somebody should have been looking into that. And again, that goes back to refereeing standards. Certainly made the atmosphere uh, liven up, didn't it? We know mm. how hostile home in the park can be yeah. at times. Mm. I mean, Looking at the stats of the game, I know mm. we've spoken before that yes. the stats can be twisted to suit mm. whatever agenda, but mm. Argyle had 58 possession against Wigan, nine shots compared to their eight. Both teams had four shots on target, and Argyle had 10 corners to Wigan's four. Mm. Now, again, like I said, I know statistics, the only statistic that matters really is the result, mm. but surely Argyle can take a lot of confidence from producing such a good performance against a team that are obviously destined for the championship. Yeah, I wouldn't have put a lot of money on Argyle having 58% possession mm. against Wigan before the game. You know, that, that wasn't the sort of game I was expecting. Um, and so that is encouraging I'm, I'm like you though Jack I'm a big believer the only statistic that counts is the goals yeah. and Wigan got three and Argyle got one and you can you know there's lots to be positive about from that performance so you know why not you know be encouraged by that um, the defending you know wasn't the best for, for the goals so that that would be a concern but um, no I mean they, 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 they put in a good performance like I say you know I mean, you sat amongst the fans, Jack. I, I can't imagine there were too many moans and groans. Yes, you want to see, you don't want to see your team lose, but I would have thought most of the Green Army, you know, would have. Uh, and it was a good crowd as well, nearly twelve thousand. I mean, yes, the league leaders, uh, but what was it, about five hundred from Wigan, so eleven and a half thousand Argyle fans there on a on a Saturday in January. I thought, and then they created a good atmosphere, you know, got behind Ryan Edwards, got behind the players, 
um, yeah, I thought it was, it, I, I, I enjoyed it apart from the, the result. apart from the result. It stays like that to remind you, you know, how how good the championship days were, don't it? Almost, yeah. isn't it? It's those types of atmosphere things, those types of teams. Yes. And, and Wigan, they've got a fair few fans mm. now, but certainly not the biggest um, away crowd we've seen this season. But that didn't stop the atmosphere. And nah, it's nah. just to give you that feel of what what could happen at home park. Nah, I mean, I think everyone knew they were watching some good players on the pitch mm. there, and um, you know that is always it's good, isn't it? it? Was it was a decent quality game with some good football play. Um, and whilst there are plenty of fighting challenges that we've already talked about on mm. the pitch, one of the most shocking things from the game, <laughs> it seems everything between Paul Cook and Derek Ellis was pretty amicable. Yeah. Um, I saw on Twitter again, I think mm. myself and our colleague David Monday said that they'd been um, spent some time talking on the pitch and Cook was very complimentary mm. about our part of the game. Do you think possibly it's because they're maybe not such direct rivals this season? Yeah, possibly so, yes, because you know Paul Cook is... is Looking to take his team up this mm. season, and, and Derek Adams is is, is not. And uh, you know when Paul Cook was at Portsmouth, Argyle and Portsmouth were, were yes. rivals, and there's a bit of rivalry between the cl- two clubs as well. Yeah, I mean we were sat tying up our loose ends in the in the press box, just you know finishing the match report and getting it online, and looked up, and there on the side of the pitch, you know, probably ten minutes after the final whistle, everyone the crowd had gone, and there were Paul Cook and Derek Adams stood. Quite happily chatting away. Have they gone off the pitch and come back on? Though? Yeah, they must have gone down to the. They must have gone into the dressing rooms and maybe said a word or two. And uh, I think Paul Cook does likes to do his Wigan uh, official Wigan uh, press sort of duties mm-hmm. uh, by the side of the pitch. I think he'd sort of headed down there to see their uh, their media guys. And um, you know, ha- quite how they both ended up to be by the side of the pitch, but they were. They stood on the pitch. Dave Roundtree got a nice nice picture of them stood there chatting away and. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's a funny one the, the relationship because you you ask Derek Adams every now and then, and you suspect that you know well you don't suspect you know that there's been a few disagreements yes. over the years, um, but you know there is a mutual respect there. I think I don't think w- would they go and have a drink together? Although Derek Adams, you know, um, famously doesn't particularly mm-hmm. drink, but you know, would they be best buddies? No, but I think there is a respect there, and and equally I think. Both managers would have looked at that game and thought that was a good game of football. Both both managers would have been pleased with what they saw from their from their sides. And I think, you know, there was a chance for the two managers to just talk about the game and um yeah, so it was it was um it was nice to see really. And knowing the fighting characters that they both can be, they probably quite enjoy the fact that someone else that they can spar with a little bit. I'm sure that, that that's enjoyable for them. And also yeah. we shouldn't forget that Paul Cook did buy a bottle of champagne mm-hmm. for them at uh yeah. at, at Park last season. Yes. So um Definitely one of those shocking things I saw in that game. Oh, I mm-hmm. that game though. Yeah, and he was. Com- uh, David, uh, David, our colleague, was uh, was in with uh, Paul Cook after the game, and he was very complimentary about Argyle as well. And you know, sometimes you can say, well, it's easy to be complimentary about a team when you just beat them. But, yeah. but nevertheless, I think he was he was genuine. And um, you know, Paul Cook's one of these guys that um, you know he's, he's normally pretty forthright in his views. I don't think he'd just say things just for the yeah. sake of it. Yeah. Well. We'll move away from the football for a little bit and, and obviously we're all shocked and saddened to hear the news of Ryan Edwards' mm-hmm. uh, testicular cancer diagnosis last week and I think firstly everyone here at the Herald would like to wish Ryan a speedy recovery yep, definitely. Uh, and thoughts are with him but you know the thing that always impresses me when these sort of things happen and we hope it doesn't happen very often to people and, and you know all of that but the football community which can be criticised by the media in large aspects they really do pull together in these sort of scenarios and it wasn't just the wider world I mean we, we take the game on Saturday the groundsman had, had, had mowed the number five. Yeah, nice touch. Yeah. There were shirts that the players wore out. Mm-hmm. I don't remember his name and number on it. Graham Carey had five on his gloves, which mm-hmm. after he scored the opening goal, he was celebrating with. And of course, 
Um, there was the, the the standing ovation in the fifth minute, or possibly the fourth minute. It might have been a bit premature, but <laughs> nevertheless, the, the, the signs were there that everyone really was in it together. And uh, Ryan Edwards was at the game as well. Yes, it was. It was quite a moving moment, really, wasn't it? Or well, quite a moving afternoon, and it sort of really dominated that that opening mm. part of the game. Yeah. I- I do think, and you know, I might be slightly biased here after 20 years of watching Argyle, but I do think Argyle do things like that quite well. Mm-hmm. I, I do think the club do have an ability to all come together in a situation like the Ryan Edwards one, and, and there is that sort of sense of unity. And I, I think they do. I think they do it well. I loved all the various little bits that went into it. You know, the, the figure fives in the grass. You know, nice little, yeah. nice little thought. You know. Um, Robbie Bullen, I have to say, did a fantastic cartoon. I'm sure you've seen it on social media if you frequent social media um, with the We Are Argyle with you, Eddie, and the figure five mm. and, and all the little Argyle fans within that figure five. And um, Robbie sort of distributed, I know, a few of the, the cartoons around and about. And, uh, Anyone listening to on social media should give him a follow. Really, really Robbie Bullen cartoons, isn't it? I think it is. And it is, it, that was a brilliant cartoon. Robbie, even if you've not seen it, you know, do try and make the effort to see it. It was absolutely brilliant. So I just think all the little things, when you piece them all together, um, I thought the crowd started applauding at five past three. But that was about three minutes into the game. But, you know, again, the, the crowd all, all got involved into the occasion. And, um, and Derek Adams made the point afterwards, you know, he said, this is a very caring football club. We support our people. And, um, yeah, I, 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 I agree with that. I think Argyle do do that well and in, in situations like that. So, um yeah, I, I think it was. Yeah. And the good thing was, is that we didn't know until after the game. Well, I certainly didn't know until after the game that Ryan Edwards was at the game. Yeah. Which one is fantastic. He was able to to get there. And two, you know, hopefully, and I'm sure it was. That must have been a huge boost for his morale to go there and just feel the the warmth and the the best wishes of everyone for him. You know, it's it's, it's obviously a very difficult time for him. I mean, you have to give him the utmost credit because he's been playing. Yes while knowing he had this diagnosis mm. now you know hand on heart you know how many of us could have done that do you think you know? and he scored against Doncaster so I mean you know no one had any inklings that, you know, that he would have had other things on his mind apart from football so you know utmost respect for, for Ryan for that and the way he's dealt with the situation and you know, like you say we we all wish him a speedy recovery. And it certainly puts things into perspective, doesn't it? You know, we will go about our days moaning about the, mm. the, the daily challenges that we face. But yes. that, I mean, it's, it's incredible when you have a crowd that's 12,000 mm. strong that mm. you know in five minutes' time we're shouting at the referee, yes. having abuse left, right, and centre. But they, and even Wigan fans, mm. in that sort of moment, everyone comes together, doesn't it? And foot, that's where football is such a, yeah. a, a tight knit community in, in, in many mm. ways. Yes, yeah, definitely. And he also made a statement on Twitter, didn't he, afterwards? Yes. You covered basically thanking everyone and explaining, yep. giving his own words and his own, from his own experience. No, it was, it was nice to hear from Ryan in his own words, you know, how he felt about the situation, how he was going to beat this horrible disease, which we, we all wish him well in doing, and, you know, how he'd be soon be back. And we look forward to that day. So, um, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll await developments and, and wish him well. Um, another familiar face that was at Home Park was mm. former manager Peter Reid. I think mm. it was his first time back at Home mm-hmm. Park since um, yep. since he left our goal or was, or was sacked by our goal. But I've heard from again Twitter, including Gordon Sparks. Gordon Sparks, very yeah. Good form. yeah, yeah. Sparks he um, does a bit of sort of hostess hosting sort of work, <laughs> not hostessing, hosting work. <laughs> no, no, hosting um, work, and uh, he was looking very dapper in a jacket and tie and. Uh, but he, he popped into the press box before the game and uh, said he'd had a, had a few uh, laughs with Peter Reid in the boardroom and he was in very good form. And uh, Sadly, I didn't get to see Peter, but he was there. And I know uh, Paul Hart 
who uh, runs the Argyle Legends, the mm-hmm. former Players Association, had a chance to give uh, Peter uh, an Argyle Legends tie, and uh, yeah, we all know uh, how Peter rallied around Argyle uh, during the dark days of administration and uh, did a lot of good. I mean, it, it was one of those days, it just felt like there was ex-Argyle players everywhere. I, um, I did put a tweet out, and I'm going to forget one now when I run through this list, but just I mean, Andy Morrison was obviously, Andy Jock Morrison was the half-time uh, guest on the pitch. Uh, Sean McCarthy was doing the commentary for Radio 5, in the, in the uh, not Radio 5, Radio Devon in the press box next to us. Uh, Warren Feeney was there. Oh, really? Martin Gritton, uh, Roman Larrier was there. Um, see, I've forgotten. I'm sure there was somebody else that I should be mentioning. So whoever it was, I apologise. But um, Cyril Regis is Dave Regis, there. of course. Yes, Dave Regis yeah. was there for which again was good, wasn't it? The Cyril Regis yes. um, yeah. minutes applause before the game. Um, I thought that was that was well done and well handled. Um, so yeah, there was a lot of ex Argon players, managers. Um, it was it wasn't a million miles away and those are the only ones I was sort of aware of and saw so I wouldn't be surprised if there were one or two others there as well so um, yeah there was a a good yeah it it felt like one of those days where the the club came together and having you know players like you know Andy Morrison and and, uh, Roman Larry you know real icons of Argyle over recent years it was it had a good feel of the day to it you know just just if they could have uh, eked out a draw or even a win that would have just uh, put the uh, Icing on the cake. Again, it adds to that aspect that you spoke about of how together this club can be. Mm. There's so many players come down mm. here and end up either coming back at some point in the future, moving down here, yeah. staying down here. Yeah. I mean, one of our regular columnists, Danny Salmon, is a perfect example. Yes, well, and, and Danny, we should add to the list, really. We yeah. shouldn't be of ex-Argyle yeah. players. Because, I mean, Dave Regis came in, um, again, Sparty brought Dave Regis into the press box so that he could meet Danny Salmon because they played together in the same Argyle team. And I got the impression, I didn't ask, but I got the impression they hadn't seen each other for a very long time and were, were pleased to see each other. So, um yeah, there was lots of sort of familiar Argyle faces around on Saturday. But like you said, it's certainly doing that well. The Armed Forces mm. Days, Armed Forces Days is yeah. always good, and things like that. They, it, you know, the the club do pull together and do do things well. So I think you know everyone involved in the sort of staging of that game, you know, deserves deserves credit. And it's picked up by the national, you know, Sky mm. Sports News, and it's always good that the mm. club gets that sort of Absolutely. recognition. Yeah. So going back to the football side of things, mm. obviously we've seen Remy Matthews, Zach Viner, and Simon Church. We'll mm. talk about all of them. Zach Viner, obviously mm. thrown into the the mix. And Not easy. No. Also, it's, it's, it's not an easy circumstance for the whole team to play mm. with, with the Ryan Edwards diagnosis. Mm. That has to be playing on your mind somewhere. It's going to be somewhere in the back of your mind. Derek Adams said that he told the players on Thursday. Um, so they only had a couple of days to get used mm. to the idea. They've suddenly got Zach Viner turning up, having two training sessions before going straight into the team. Not easy for him. Uh, very highly rated at Bristol City by all accounts. Um, and I thought you, you could tell at times he, he was good on the ball. He looked as though he was uh, able to play the ball out of the back. I did think he got caught on the ball a couple yes. of times. Um, but, you know, when you've been not playing regular first-team football, you know, you'll soon get up to speed. Of, men's of, football as well. We've spoken about that quite a lot, isn't there? There's a difference between playing under-23s or under-21s yeah. and men's football. So, uh, you know, I'm sure he'll soon get up to speed of League One. Centre-backs always are partnerships. Mm. So you've got to get on the uh, the same wavelength as, as your, your opposite number. And I, I thought, you know, generally he and Sonny Bradley did quite well. I mean, if you're being picky... There was a massive gap where Wigan went through for the second goal. Uh, you know, Viner and Brabby were too far apart. Yeah. And, you know, the, pa- the pass from power into Gavin Massey. And, you know, I wish Argyle would sign in so he'd stop playing well against Argyle. And he, he did, yeah. He's, he always seems to do well against Argyle, isn't he? Um, but, I mean, it's, 
I suppose the hardest thing about centre backs when you sign someone new and throw them in mm. is if they make a mistake, it can often mm. be more punishable. Whereas, it, oh, yeah. for example, Simon Church, if he had played, started, yeah. not scored, and yeah. Ryan Carey still got the goal, you sort of let off the hook, aren't you? It's, it's, it's a difficult one. Um, you know, Zach came in and saw us afterwards for, for, for a chat and an interview, and um, very, you know, good young man, and uh, you know, he's well aware of. Um, the links that Argyle have got with Bristol City in terms of taking loan signings on. He, you know, he mentioned that he'd spoken to uh, to Joe Bryan, to Bobby Reid, to Arnold Garita. You know, have all been on the loan at Argyle, uh, and certainly in the case of Bryan and Reid, you know, they they learnt a lot from their times at Argyle, and it's standing them in great stead now because they're playing regularly for a for a very good Championship side. It's been quite a good link between the two clubs, like you mentioned mm. over the years, is not there? Yeah, like it's both teams have sort of benefited. You know, Argyle mm. had some good players on loan, and yep. like you said, the fact that Brian and Reid mm. are so instrumental in their team now. Mm. Shows the benefit of loaning players out to to League One, League Two yeah. teams. So you know, hopefully Zach Viner is going to get a week's training under his belt, settle in, find his feet. You know, he can get to know his new teammates. They can get to know him, so that he's ready and up to speed for the game against um, Oldham next Saturday. And as I said, Robbie Matthews, Zach mm. Viner, Sam mm. Church, all the ones that come in so far. Do you anticipate mm. any more signs? Yeah, that'll no. be the question everyone's yeah. listening. No, I'd, I'd be surprised if there wasn't more. And you know, some of it might depend on on who goes out because you know, there's a fair few rumours floating around about people that might go out and um, you know uh, I would think we might be one or two more but it depends if other clubs come in with offers for players you know you're looking at you know Jakob Sokolik you know, you know he's not playing he's, no. he's presumably going to go out somewhere so and especially be, with the Ryan Edwards thing if he was going yeah, to get a chance uh, that would have been it I think you know another centre back you know might well mm. might well be on the cards um, yeah, I still think you'd like another striker um, so and a midfielder obviously for for Diagaraga, to replace uh, Diagaraga. So you know, there could be scope for two or three, two or three. But um, what are we now we're about seconds, a week and a yeah, week and a bit yeah. away, aren't we? So it's, it's it's fast coming around the transfer window. Um, so yeah, I, I, I would I wouldn't be surprised if there's a few more in, and there's certainly enough rumours floating around. Nothing substantiated, but there's enough rumours floating around to suggest that you know there could be a departure or two as well. And we've always said. You know, we, we talk quite often about the players that aren't um, playing so much for our girls team, but of course, there's nothing to necessarily stop the likes of Taylor, mm-hmm. Carey, yeah. also susceptible to bids, aren't they? Uh, uh, Taylor, Carey, Bradley, there's all sorts of, you know, not yeah. all sorts of rumours, but there are there have been rumours about all but of those players. When people talk about these transfers, they automatically yeah. think about the ones that aren't playing. Yeah, yeah, and, and you know, if one of those were, were to go, um, you know, that leaves a hole in the team, doesn't it? A big hole in the team, so... Um, but uh, the thing is, is you, 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 we touched on it in the podcast last week, but at this time of the transfer window, you know, you, you really don't want to be losing key players because you haven't got a lot of time mm. to then bring in a replacement for them. And it's also, it's also you know, worth mentioning the fact that these, these players, it, it's, it goes to show that nothing's, you know, nothing, nothing's um, irreplaceable, is it? Well, everyone has their bid, everyone has yeah, their price. And, yeah. But... Almost, you can almost look at the transfer business and keep and hold your key players is almost as important as signing new players, aren't they? Yeah, the it, it is. And, you know, everyone, you know, Derek Adams said it last week to us, everyone has got their value, yeah. you know, and, you know, the, that is the reality of football, is that if a football club offers enough money to you for one of your players and you think, wow, that's a, that's a good bid, yeah. we, 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 we can't really turn that down, that player's going to go. So every player in the transfer window is effectively available, aren't they? Yes. If a club come in and want them enough um, the secret is I suppose is that Argyle are in a reasonably uh, in a pretty good financial position they're not in desperate need for money um, 
you know, that they, they can afford to try and drive as hard a deal as possible if someone really wants. I mean, we, we know that Bradford have been in for Ryan Taylor. We don't know if they've come back in again or they will come back in again. But, um, you know, you got that, that had the feel of one where they're looking for strikers, yes. um, but how far they're prepared to push it, you know, we'll see. But it's great that our brother Patricia Adams can come out and say, you know, we don't want to sell him, we don't have to sell him for a cheap price, and that's no, great. No, 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 I mean, that's all part of the, the transfer window, yes. you know, uh, policy, isn't it? You, you, you say, no, we don't need to sell anyone, we're quite happy. Um, and so you're saying to the to the club that might be interested, well, we, you're going to need to really impress us with yeah. your bid if we're going to even consider it. And um, back to the, mm. the fixtures coming up. Next up, we've got struggling Oldham side for our goal. Obviously, mm. travel back on the road for, yeah. for you and Barron will be this week, won't it? Barron's on the, on duty, yeah. So there was a small resurgence for the side of Richie Williams first at Bates John Sheridan, but they haven't won in the league now since December the 9th. Mm. Um, I'm just wondering, Chris, if you want your team, mm. considering the fact that Wigan, Blackburn yeah. and Shrewsbury, the other games around the Oldham, is this yeah. one the one that really Argos should be focused on getting three points from? They they should be focused on it definitely. It's um, you know we, we we mentioned last week you know the the four these four games are tough games, mm. um, and I can guarantee you whatever the outcome at Boundary Park, that is not an easy place to go and play football. You know, long way from Plymouth, um, and uh, I suspect it might be a fairly chilly um, in January. I've heard people talk about the chilly Boundary Park. So it, it's not going to be an easy one. Um, Oldham haven't been on a good run of form recently yet. Um, they've got a couple of decent players, though. Um, Jack Byrne, that uh, they've re-signed on loan uh, for the rest of the season. Um, he was quite sharp uh, mm. down at home park uh, before Christmas. Um, and, you know, that 4-1 victory for Argyle was a great one a couple of days before Christmas. But uh, I, I don't think that necessarily was a true indicator of, of, of the game. And uh, Oldham would... Uh, We'll be looking at this game and thinking, yeah, you know, as much as Argyle are looking at it and thinking this is a game we need to be trying to beat, win, Oldham will be looking at that and thinking this is a game that we need to try. And, you know, Argyle have just had a long unbeaten run ended, um, admittedly by the league leaders, and they need to try and pick up the three points. So, it's so important um, that when it's, it's still quite tight, isn't it? And then mm, you claw right back into it. Absolutely, yeah. No, if, if, if you put yourselves in Oldham's position, you say, look, if we beat Argyle mm. on Saturday, we've dragged them right back into it. And if you remember, you know, Argyle when when they were on that unbeaten run, they just kept playing team after team after team. That by beating them or drawing with them, they kept within range or dragged all those teams. They dragged Milton Keynes down, didn't they? And uh, and those various teams that have, have, have been sucked into the um, into the relegation mix. So yeah, it's, it's it's an important game. And then you've got Blackburn and Shrewsbury to come after that, who are both you know doing really well in, second, in and third, the, second and third. So you know, in an ideal world, you know Argyle would like to go up there. Get a win, get back on track after after the defeat by Wigan. Although the performance was good, and then that would set them nicely up nicely for for Blackburn and Shrewsbury. Um, so yeah, it's going to be an important game. But um, if anyone thinks that um, you know Oldham are struggling a little bit and haven't done very well, if they think that you know Argyle are going to go up to Boundary Park and find it easy, I'd be I'd be shocked if that was the case. You know, Richie Wellens is um was a was a very competitive um, midfield player. Uh, play for Oldham and Doncaster and teams like that. He he will be exactly the same as a manager. You know he will have Oldham fired up on Saturday. And um, but you know if Argyle play like they have been doing in recent games, you know there's no reason why they can't go out there and get a, a good result. And just one last thing to mention is the date's now been set for the FA Youth yes. Cup game, isn't it? So probably worth mentioning that. Is it the definitely seventh of February? Wednesday, it? February the seventh. Argyle are going to be at home to Fulham. Mm-hmm. Fulham beat Swansea two 0 uh, in the fourth round last week. Um, the same admission of prices as for the previous home games in the FA Youth Cup. I think it's five pounds for adults, three pounds for 
concessions well for under 18s. Um, the under 18s have done fantastic this season. To reach, the fifth, yeah. to reach the fifth round, they're in the last 16 with a chance. I mean, you know, I don't know a lot about Fulham's um, current youth team, but you know, you would suspect that being a, a London club that were in the Premier League not, not that long ago, they'll have a good academy yes. set up. So, well, you, yeah. So you, you would you would say, and I'm, I'm not saying this with great knowledge, but you would say that Fulham will be the favourites, but Manchester City and Burnley exactly. were the favourites against Argyle. And if Argyle can play like they did, defend solidly and what have you, then they could get into the last eight of the FA Youth Cup, and that would be, a, you know, a, an amazing achievement. And so it's, it's worth just saying to anyone that's thinking about going, didn't go to the Man City mm. game. It really is. Mm. So I, you know, I went as a fan, mm. and I don't go to yeah. a lot of young, you know, youth games. So mm. It really is. Special atmosphere. Big, really, you really see how much it means to those players. As it's well. a big deal to all those lads under the lights on a Wednesday night. You know, um, get behind the team. We can talk about it near the time yeah. anyway. But um, but no, I'm looking forward to it very much. The date's been set. Well, mm. thanks very much, Chris. Uh, Jack, thank you for your uh, hosting. Uh, hosting. Excellent. Processing. Excellent job. Um, so yeah, don't forget to look, look on our website for all the latest stories. Chris and uh, myself will be working for the rest of the afternoon on that, and we'll be back again next week. <laughs> We are always happy to hear from you, and if you have any questions for our panel, please tweet them to our Twitter account, at HeraldPAFC, or visit our Facebook page, Plymouth Argyle The Herald. Thanks for listening.